All right, it's time to talk to our friend David Locke. Our conversation with David is brought to you, as always, by the Murdoch Auto Team. Let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Of course, he's the radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He is David Locke. David, hello. Hello, how are you? Uh, we're doing just great. Uh, David, how are you doing? Things good? I'm good, yeah. Beautiful. Turned into a beautiful day after little snow in the mountains this morning, so we're all good. Yeah, it's, it, it has turned into a beautiful day, no doubt. Well, hey, participate in our conversation here. We've seen all the, the long list of, I guess, strategies for the bubble, rules, things going on. What, uh, what jumped out to you? What, do you? what do you think about the blueprint the NBA has laid out? I mean, it's obviously incredibly detailed, and they are clearly trying to keep everyone as safe. I mean, you know, as much as they've been criticized – at times that this is a money grab and they're not, you know, safety for it. That's pretty clear safety first. So in, in the midst of it, where it's very clear that you, you know, they need to play games and, and bring that money back in. And it's a lot of money. Um, it does seem as though they're trying to take every precaution necessary for safety. David, are you of the opinion, as my co-host is over there, that uh, the NBA has taken it too far, that testing alone should be enough, not having spy cams around the campus? Well, I mean, the, the concept is that you're trying to keep people inside that realm, right? So, you know, if someone leaves and goes out, then you're suddenly exposing that group to a huge amount more more contacts and that's what they're trying to avoid so i can understand it i honestly don't here's the one i don't understand if everyone's testing every day and everyone's negative and they're staying in then why so many precautions with everyone who's negative like i don't i'm not criticized i just don't understand like i'm living a life right now where i'm trying to be socially distanced and but i mean you're also living a life a little bit, I think, of where I'm assuming at times that I don't know why, and probably incorrectly, that some of the people around me are negative, right? Right. And I don't, and I don't even know that they're negative. But if like I knew they were negative, I would think. I don't know. I'm confused. I guess is what I'm saying. Can I can I offer you my my theory on that? Yeah. I think outside of the daily testing, everything else is pretty much just PR. I mean, like, you look at some of that stuff. I mean, wiping the ball off on your jersey, give me a break. I mean, at, at one moment, you're you're banging down on the boards with Rudy Gobert, and you're going to tell me that you're worried about wiping off the ball with a jersey? I mean, I think your, your point is 100% correct. If you're testing that frequently, that's all that matters. I think everything else is just mm, signals to everybody like, hey, we're being careful. See, this is where I disagree with him, David. I think it is, it's a good thing. To, to, to be as careful as possible. I, I don't think, I'm not so cynical to think that it's just about public relations. I think they want every base covered, and that's okay by me. I'm in between the two of you. I'm not where Jack or Jake is. I think that somebody, they're getting guidance from very high-end people, and someone's told them that that's important. And I just don't understand. I just don't, I need to know more. Like, that's all I'm saying. But I think that they've been informed that those are the necessary steps. No no doubles ping pong, David, because, I mean, that obviously is going to cause an outbreak. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> you are well, such a you are such a cynic. You are. They're testing every day. Why uh, why is this other stuff also? Necessary? Yeah, I mean, you know what? I'm not like I'm not criticizing. I just would like um, I'd like to understand more. Like I'd like to know more so I can understand that. Yeah. Uh, well, this, sorry, Gordon. Go ahead. What did you think, David, of of the hotels being assigned? By uh, by placement in the standings as we speak now, I thought that was kind of interesting. That well, that uh, makes that, that, that yeah, makes some sense because I think what that means is that when teams are eliminated, those hotels get opened up to other things. Mm. And you would assume that everyone gets eliminated based on that order. And you would assume that Disney's in a hurry to sell some hotel rooms. And, yeah, I don't know if it's to sell. I don't know if it's to sell hotel rooms or if it's to open it up for families to come visit. Right. Right. Is it, upon the second round, each person can, each team can kind of bring in an extra person. Right? Isn't there fifteen to seventeen increased spots once you hit the second round? Yes. yes correct. Mm-hmm. It, it, is it uh, is it beyond dispute that the hotel the Jazz are in is the nicest of the three? I don't know anything about Disney World Orlando hotels. I have no efficiency rating on it. <laughs> I have no effective field goal percentage on it. I have nothing. <laughs> you know what the bummer is? Eight-game sample size is not going to be enough to make any evaluations accurately and we're going to all make them inaccurately uh without enough sample size of eight regular season games to be able to figure out what the impact of the layoff is the impact of playing without fans all of these things we're going to make all sorts of suppositions and we're going to use not enough data to try to solve answers to those questions david Locke with us on 97.5 and 1280 the zone uh david switching gears a little bit and i know uh, that you talked about this on your podcast, but Gordon and I broke down the interview that Ed Davis did with Hoops Hype very thoroughly the other day, and I thought it, his particular perspective and his words were were really right on the money and I think represents kind of the feelings of a lot of players, I would guess, out there. Give me your thoughts on what Ed Davis had to say and what stood out to you. So Ed Davis is really one of the like leaders in this league. I mean, Dame Lillard called him the best teammate he's ever had. That has exemplified itself multiple times this year with the Utah Jazz of of what his leader what he does with his leadership and what he's brought to this team has been incredibly important in key moments and we saw it there cuz that was leadership that was yeah. I'm going to speak for a bunch of players on an issue that doesn't impact me I'm going to address the fact that um if we don't play we could put this league into financial peril um I'm going to save the league was one of his quotes um, you know, the, the owners could tear up the CBA if they don't play this year, which could be a fairly significant change to the many players. So I thought Ed took a huge leadership role there and talked about what he could do. And then I also thought it was just very well thought out on, you know, the value of money and what he what the value of money could do for all these people inside the black community. What do you think, uh, David, about what Kyrie Irving was talking about, all those concerns he had, and then even suggesting at one point that maybe the players start their own league? I don't want to diminish what Kyrie said because I think that would probably be the classic example of what's going on in this movement and where 
you know, maybe I don't have the life experience in the in the in the positioning to be able to understand where he's coming from. Um, but with that said, I thought, you know, there's some aspects of it where I feel it was a little strange for the guy who, you know, can't isn't going to play anyway to be the one leading the idea that we're not we shouldn't play. Um, that. You know, like Dwight Howard, I'll actually say, has a lot more credibility, right? Like, Dwight Howard's got a championship he's about to go win. And if he's making comments of like, you know what, there might be something more important. Okay, I'm a, like, that caught my ear. Um, so, you know, I think Kyrie probably has a lot of points in there that have a lot of validity and that some of them are getting lost inside of the shuffle of, media headlines and i'm not sure i understand the perspective he's bringing to the table on that one what i read david about what the league is saying it's it wants to do in conjunction with the completion of the season and at other times is be a force behind social justice and racial equality how do you think they can best do that well i think this is really important i thought mark spears at undefeated wrote some a really good piece on this like I'm the players right now. I'm empowered, and I and, and you know what? Like we're on a neutral site, and I want Black Lives Matters on the floor, and I want you know if I'm if I'm a player right now, and I've got a brand deal with you, like my ads are not running unless they involve this messaging as well. Um, I, I think the, the players that that's where they can use this league and the support of the league and this time period and the attention they'll have to be a force for change in the while playing like yeah I, i would agree like just going to the arena and playing eight games is not necessarily going to be a you know impact on the movement and could in fact be a distraction like that's there's a legitimate argument to that i'm not sure i totally buy it but it's a it's a legitimate argument you know there are also then multiple things you could do while in Orlando that increase awareness, help the movement and the, and tell the league, like if we're coming back to play and we're going to be in the circumstances, then we're doing these, we need your support. And if you're going to support us, then we, these are the five things that we're interested in. And I think that those, that's where I think Avery Bradley and Kyrie Irving and, and these guys have some really, that's great. Like that's exactly what you should be doing right now. Let's go. David Locke with us, and David on that uh, call last Friday where some objections were raised, Donovan Mitchell was on that call, and according to reports, he's concerned about the injury issue, and of course we can understand that where he's due a pretty substantial uh, contract extension or he's a possibility of such, and uh, speaking of Ed Davis, he cleared that up a little bit and gave a little insight on Donovan's specific uh, situation, but wh- what do you think about that situation and his concerns? What can the NBA do? Maybe an insurance policy of some sort, or is it just what it is i mean i think you know the the nervousness falls out of the fact that we're into an environment we've never been before right so so we just don't know are we more susceptible to injury are we not um you know so i think um you know i think that that's that's where i think that stemmed from is that that reaction at least by um like Donovan is like, gosh, I've never been off this long. Like, are we actually more likely to get injured here? And then what happens if I get injured? So, I, you know, I understand the concern. Frankly, you know, we've seen plenty of players with eight games left in the regular season be concerned about injury. 
Um, so, you know, I thought Ed Davis said that pretty clearly. Um, I don't know what they can do. Like, can they do a special signing period where if you're going to offer him the contract, you can offer it to him now because you would have offered it to him on July 1 and we're going to be past that date? Like, I, I don't know. That's an interesting question. Do you think the ramp-up to the season now or the restart of the season is adequate? It seems like it's fairly deliberate, uh, you know, indicating a time for individual workouts and then, uh, you know, more intense workouts and then team workouts and then finally some kind of scrimmages and then the games over the period of a, over a month. Um, seems fine. Way above my pay grade to have any idea. You know, I've taken a grand total of zero classes in my lifetime on um, any type of physical exercise science or anything of the sort. So I I have absolutely um, no idea um, about the body's ability to ramp up in this after this time off. All right, David, uh, let's get to some favorites when we do return to play. Is it the Lakers, Clippers, uh, Bucks, and everybody else, or who else should we move into that mix? Well, I think those three are probably on a superior class to anyone else. I think the only one that would be interesting to me is Toronto's really fast. And I don't know whether that'll have an impact. Like they have, like there's certain unique skills. You wonder what those unique, you know, we don't know what the impact will be. And so what unique skills. And so Toronto's speed, I think is a, is a unique skill, their ability to play really fast. Maybe they'll have better endurance and tire people out and do those kind of things. Um, I, I think the, uh, um, you know, does Houston small become more productive than it would have been otherwise? You know, and there's obviously the obvious questions of who comes in shape, who's fresh, who's not. Is the layoff better for older players or younger players? There's so many unknowns. Uh, but unquestionably, the three best teams in the league were Clippers, Lakers, Bucks. Seems as though that would be surprising if they're not still. David, is it my imagination or have you either noticed or studied this out a little bit that there are players that are being developed who are not big name or who are not big names who are having impacts on teams? And I'm not even saying that they're superstars or stars even, but they are really, really good players who are contributors. Is Have you noticed a, a trend in that direction? Um. You know, there's an interesting draft a few years ago, which is the Alec Burks, Clay Thompson, um, Kawhi Leonard draft. And if you look at that draft, the draft for the players 11 through 20 are better than the players 1 through 10. And that's pretty unheard of. Um, you know, you've got your five best players in the NBA right now are a number one pick a number, you know, 14 pick under a unique circumstance out of Greece, a number three pick in a Harden, Steph Curry, and a number nine pick. So they're still, I don't know who the fifth best player in the league is. Um, they're still, you know, the best players in the league are still probably uh, the elite, elite players in the league are still, you know, you know it when they enter the league. Um, I mean, Zion clearly. Uh are there, you know, I, so what's, how far down is your tier? I guess I need my answer to that question. Um, both the Morris twins were in that draft I was mentioning. So, um, 
mean the Joe Ingles, Royce O'Neal type? Is that what you're alluding to? The sec- the non-drafted players who become rotation players more than we used to have? Yeah, kind of more cl- closer to that kind of thing. You know, I, I just hear about players contributing in a major way. I can't even think of an example right now, but uh, players that are seem to be helping. Who's the kid at Miami with Miami that is, uh, has been so Duncan useful? Robinson. Yeah, I mean, you got guys like that that seem to be contributors, not not stars, but, but so I think, worthy I mean, I think players. So I think there's been an evolution in what skill sets are most important. And that may have led, and as the game evolves, then, you know, a draft of five or six years ago is probably off because the game is different today than it was five or six years ago. Does that make sense? Um, Duncan Robinson and Davis Pertons are six foot eight pure shooters. If I was an NBA scout, I would be looking for six foot eight shooters. Like, there's something. Uh, the volume three-point shooting is important, and the ability to just be able to get them off. Like, I'm not sure that Donovan Mitchell or Mike Conley could get off the 12 threes a night that Duncan Robinson gets off. He does it in Davis Bertans gets off. They do it because they're tall. Um, and that height. You know, Kyle. everyone wanted to compare Jimmer Fredette to Kyle Korver, and they forgot about the five-inch difference. <laughs> so I think that type of player has a value maybe. Uh, I think the game's evolving, and so maybe that is the case, Gordon. Real quick, David, before we let you go, do you know your broadcast plans yet? Are you going to be with me here in the studio? Are we going to be spending a lot of time together coming up here shortly? Um, I don't know. Oh. Well, I was hoping for good <laughs> news there. <laughs> I was hoping that we'd be hanging out. David goes, that's not good news in my corner. And I know. I do feel a little rejected there. Oh. I'm just going to socially distance. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, whatever the case may be, I think we're really excited to hear you get back to calling some action. Or get there soon enough. It's going to be a long, what is it, another 43 days or so. 44, maybe. Maybe 45. Hey, we've, made it, we've okay. made it this far, David. I mean, how bad could the last 40-whatever be? Um, this year, I am not answering that question. That's actually a good point. Do you have to get the vocal cords back in condition, David? Is that uh, is that something you're going to work on? Um, in the preseason of a regular season, I do do some things not vocal cord wise, but just to get ready for the speed and things. I don't, you know, I've never called a game from a monitor before in an empty studio, so I this will be all brand new and I'm working on some creative ways to try to make it most interesting, and we'll see what we can figure out. Do you want Austin and I to do sound effects in the background? We could try. Oh, no. Please, no. No? Would that not be good? Probably not. I've heard Austin sound effects, and those do not smell good. I mean, are not good. (laughs) Buzzing. I mean, uh, and you said you didn't have any scientific background, David. Jeez. Uh, David, you are the best. Thank you. Tony Brothers is blind! It's always a highlight of our week to talk to you, my friend. Talk to you later. See you, David. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. I didn't mean to blindside him with that question where he would be broadcasting. I was just ho- uh, I was hoping that would be the case. Well, I imagine if – well, I don't know. Maybe he's sitting on the edge of his seat, not sure yet. But I was going to say I would imagine that, that if he were going to go, he would have known by now, right? 
Well, I I would think so too. But didn't we do when we talked to Bowler yesterday? Didn't Bowler seem pretty sure that the broadcast teams for like everybody was not going to be there? And haven't That's we even seen the national broadcasters say that they're not going to be there either? Yeah, so Kev, Kevin Harlan said that for the first the the regular season finale or whatever, and I think through the first round of the playoffs, there won't be anyone but so national guys to, on a monitor, right? So I didn't mean to jump the gun there. I actually thought it was fairly established that broadcasters weren't going to be there. But well, maybe I did. Hope I lingers still, maybe. Maybe. Uh, it would well, be you, cool. You are the official spokesperson for TNT Broadcasting. I am. That's true. Turner yeah. Sports. I got that job this morning. Hey, Austin, remember yesterday when no. Jay said he was, going to, uh, he was going to try to be more constructive and not bring everybody down all the time? That was yesterday. And it was I, I, boring. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just wondered whether... That was going to uh, continue on a while bit. Uh, no. In fact, I don't no, think it lasted. Jake, Jake's charm is that he can turn a, a bad thing into a good and a good thing into a bad. Thank you, Austin. And besides, that really I, is that really is a talent. <laughs> I don't think it lasted the whole show yesterday. So no, it didn't. it didn't last till the next comment. <laughs> if you recall, you you tested Gordon to see if he'd call you on it, and Gordon just said, and he didn't. Yeah, you didn't really hold me accountable yesterday, so I kind of lapsed back into some old habits. Yeah, well, look. I mean, you can't uh, you can't uh, hold back a river by sticking your hand out like that. You know, I mean, just some things aren't even worth the effort. And a river runs through it. What? Huh? Did you just make that up? That book, by the way, is poetry. A river runs through it. Uh huh. I've got to admit, moves about as fast as poetry. Too. This is that is uh, that is one. <laughs> You're talking about the movie. Well, here they are back in the freaking river. I have not read that book, but I, I get it. I, Brad Pitt's a bad boy. Next, <laughs> I do love that movie. Which did you see for? Which did you experience first, the book or the movie? The, the movie. Oh. <laughs> but so you experienced the movie first and read and but enjoyed the book more. Yeah, I think the the book was better. I've but. I've, but I, I, I will say this. You have said it in the past that once you see characters portrayed on the big screen, it is it is hard to exorcise them out of your mind as you're imagining right. uh, when you're beaming the pictures from the book up on the, the big screen in your brain. Right. Can you think of uh, a worse way to live your life? Church, fishing, sleeping. <laughs> Church, fishing, Picking up your brother that just got arrested, sleeping, church, fishing, sleeping. Yeah, I, college. I was, I was going to say, if you were talking about Brad Pitt, I, I'm pretty sure he mixed some drinking in there too. <laughs> I meant the older brother. <laughs> the, I see that the, the guy one that wrote the book, the guy from the program. Yeah. Uh, what's, well, what is his name? The the actor. I can't remember the actor's name. Yeah. But he was in the program, wasn't he? The the quarterback. Yep. Uh, from that movie. What's his name? I don't know. Smith. <laughs> okay. Bob Smith. 